Welcome to the Empowered Modern Witches Show, where we share simple ways you can work with magic and astrology for your overall wellness and self-care. I'm your host, Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Loop and Hollow. I'm a practicing witch, a certified astrologer, and a published author, and I'm on a mission to help modern witches like you nourish your mind, body, and intuition so you can be your most magical self all day, every day. Hello, and welcome back to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into your ultimate guide to Lamas, uh, which is the first harvest festival in the Wheel of the Year. So we're going to talk in this episode about the history of this festival. We're going to talk about some of the themes, why we celebrate it. Um, We're going to get into the astrology, of course, um, of this festival and talk kind of practically about how to celebrate celebrate Lamas in your real world, 21st century, modern day life. Um, If you have not checked out our Ultimate Guide episodes before, um, I am working my way through the wheel of the year, recording episodes about each of the festivals uh, throughout the year that celebrate the changing of the seasons. Um, So at the time of recording this episode, I have episodes on the spring equinox, on Beltane, and on the summer solstice, and we're going to be working our way through the other four festivals of the year as well. Um, So let's go ahead and dive in. So first and foremost, like the very first thing you have to address with this festival of Lamas is the fact that it has multiple names. Um, And this can be really confusing. They're all really essentially the same thing, um, but with potentially a little bit of nuance. So I use the term Lamas for this festival, but it's also known as Lunasa. Um, And these come from really different places. Uh, So Lamas is actually kind of like a mash of the Christian name for this festival, which is interesting. Um, so the Christian name for this festival is Loaf Mass, um, just as like Imbolc in February is known um, to the Christian space as Candle Mass. Um, so Lamas is Loaf Mass. It's all about bread. Um, and we'll talk about that as one of the key themes of Lamas. Um, so Lamas is not like a, you know, fancy word. It's not, it doesn't mean anything really mystical or anything. It's really just, it really just means loaf mass. Um, Lunasa, on the other hand, is actually named for the Welsh god Lu. Um, and Lu is like a sun god. He's all about justice. Um, and so Lunasa is roughly the same festival. They're very similar in themes of the first harvest, of wheat, of grain, of bread. Um, but obviously Lunasa also takes into consideration actual worship of Lu. Um, so those are kind of the two main names that you'll hear for these two festivals, or for this one festival that has multiple names confusingly. Um, but they're all, you, know, you can really use wh- whatever speaks to you most. Um, and Lunasa, I believe, was kind of added more recently, right? It's more of a recent addition to the Wheel of the Year. Um, one thing that's always really important to remember with any of the pagan festivals in the Wheel of the Year is that there was no one culture that celebrated all eight festivals the way that we celebrate them today um, in the past, right? This is really a modern construction. And that doesn't mean that is not a bad thing. That doesn't make it something that we shouldn't celebrate, right? Like the eight 
festivals in the wheel of the year are a really beautiful way to mark the passing of each year. So with this system, we have a solstice or equinox that begins each season. Then six weeks later, we have a fire festival in that season. And then six weeks later, we have the next solstice or equinox starting the next season. Um, and it's a, a really, really beautiful system to move through the entire year and through all of the seasons and through the entire zodiac, um, which I talk about in each of these ultimate guide episodes as well. Um, but those eight festivals all put together the way that we celebrate them now is relatively modern. They do all have roots in ancient festivals. Um, and a lot of the themes and symbols that we still work with do have ancient roots, um, or at least historical roots. Um, but they were never put together all in this way. So Lunasa is more of a modern name for the festival. Um, but there has always been, you know, celebrations of the harvest around the world around this time. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, whether they were considered a fire festival, what it was actually called, right? Um, or if it was just like the first harvest of the year and the first feast that followed that. Um, so really the wheel of the year is kind of like a modern formalizing of some of these festivals and celebrations that may have happened throughout the year anyway, but that weren't thought of in this kind of overarching context. Now, one of the key themes, kind of the two key themes of Lamas are that it is considered a harbinger of fall. It is still a summer festival, but it's a harbinger. It's a call ahead to say that fall is coming. Um, and also that Lamas is the first harvest festival. Okay. So this is one thing that I find people often get tripped up with is the fact that there are three harvest festivals in the wheel of the year. And I've often heard people say like, it's too many. Why do we have to celebrate the harvest three times? And on the one hand, I think that's a very modern, very 21st century perspective that our ancestors absolutely were celebrating the harvest throughout that entire harvest season. It was a really, really essential part of the year. It's not as essential to us today, right? It's we do still rely on farming and agriculture to an extent that is probably more than we realize in our day-to-day -day lives, but we certainly don't rely on it the way our ancestors did. Um, and we're not, you know, waiting for a, a abundant harvest to know whether or not we're going to survive the winter, right? Like that's just not our experience in the modern world. Um, but if we think of the wheel of the year from the perspective of manifestation, from the perspective of kind of metaphysics and our spiritual practice, then these different harvest festivals that we celebrate actually are just as important as they were to our ancestors. And that's because in many ways, the three harvest festivals are about gratitude um, and about sacrifice. And these are really, really essential aspects of the manifestation process, right? We have to go through that process of reflecting and, um, you know, really expressing, getting grounded in the gratitude for the things that we've received, for the things we've created. Um, and we also have to release or sacrifice our expectations, right? We have to let go of the limiting beliefs or the roadblocks or obstacles that might be holding us back from 
being able to actually create or receive what we desire. Um, and so this is a really, really essential part of that process. Um, and you don't have to spend an entire year manifesting something, right? It is totally possible to manifest something virtually overnight. And it's very possible to manifest something quickly. Um, but this time of year is a reminder to kind of reflect on what we are manifesting, however long we've been manifesting it for. Now, this theme of harvest, I think, is a really important and really fun one for us to reflect on in our modern lives. Because if you don't live in an agricultural area, you might not even have like kind of a real world context for this idea of harvest. Um, you know, where I live, we actually do live in a very agricultural area. Um, we mostly harvest grapes. We also harvest some other kinds of fruit, um, apples, pears, things like that. Uh, but I, I have always lived somewhere where harvest was happening, right? Harvest was a verb and a season. Um, and it, it really meant something. It really means something where I live. And so this is something I've always really had a lot of context for that. Not only are you, you know, maybe starting to harvest from your garden this year, herbs or veggies, tomatoes, squash, whatever it might be. Um, but where I live and many, many places in the world still we're also harvesting things on this larger scale, right? And like where I am, you know, people get up at two o'clock in the morning to go out into the vineyards in starting in August, September, October um, to start harvesting the grapes. Um, they harvest them very, very early in the morning. Um, and there's reasons for that. It's not just to avoid the heat of the day. It also has to do with the peak ripest time to harvest the grapes themselves. Um, and just learning about that process, even though it's something I've always been a little bit removed from, right? It's not necessarily something I experience firsthand for myself, but it's definitely something that I see and hear around me all the time every year. Um, and it does begin in August. Um, our, our harvest season typically begins not right at Lamas, but like within a couple of weeks is when they first start harvesting the grapes for white wine, for champagne, um, or sparkling wine, things like that. So anyway, little little tangent on what harvest really looks like. Um, but that part of the year in August, when maybe we're starting to go back to school, or, um, you know, we're, we're winding down our summer vacations. Maybe harvest is beginning where you are. Maybe it's not. Um, but it does have, there's this shift, right? This time of year, the there's this energetic shift where we start to kind of look ahead to the end of the year, to the rest of the year, right? School's starting, holidays are coming. Um, you know, the, the warm weather is maybe starting to wind down or, or maybe there's still a couple months of it, but you know, you're, you're on the other side, right? You're, you're more than halfway through. And I actually really think that that is one of the most important themes of Lamas that we don't really often talk about is that Lamas is a reminder that we're more than halfway through the summer. Right. So depending on where you are, summer may really not start until the summer solstice. Summer might start, you know, more kind of in May um, or early June. Uh, but even if summer didn't really start until the solstice for you, Lamas is the halfway point, right? Lamas is the halfway point between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox. And so no matter what, no matter where you are, uh, Lamas really marks this moment to say, hey, take a moment, reflect, 
what have you done so far this summer? Have you done everything you wanted to do? Have you celebrated everything you wanted to celebrate? Have you created and received everything you wanted to receive? Um, and if not, this is the time to pivot. This is the time to make adjustments, right? And this is what I mean by Lamas being a really important playing a really important role in manifestation is when we get to this point in the year, we have basically just six weeks between Lamas and the autumn equinox. Many, many places like school is starting, you know, very shortly after Lamas or at least within maybe a month. Um, and even if you don't have kids or you're not in school yourself, like there's still that kind of like back to school vibe at the end of August, beginning of September, you know? And so there's this kind of like recommitting to our plans to, you know, filling our goal, fulfilling our goals for the rest of the year. Um, and so this is the moment where we need to get really grounded in what did we actually want to create? What did we actually want to do? What did we actually want to celebrate? Uh, and if we haven't achieved those things or created them or received them, then what needs to shift, right? Is it that it wasn't actually something we wanted and we need to release it? That could be. Um, it might also be that we just need to make some adjustments to our strategy. We just need to go about things a little bit differently. Or maybe we need to really go all in. Maybe we haven't gone all in up to this point. You know, maybe your New Year's resolution or your spring equinox intention way back at the beginning of the year maybe you just weren't all in with it. And maybe now, now you're ready to really commit and see it through. Um, and so Lamas plays this kind of subtle, quiet, but very important role in that manifesting harvest sacrifice kind of vibe, right? Um, and really, Lamas is very often very overlooked, right? It can be very, very overlooked. And that's because and it's a bread holiday, right? <laughs> like, first of all, if you don't really eat bread, you might be like, how am I supposed to celebrate this? And why would I? Um, and even if you do like bread, it might just not be that enticing. Um, but this is the thing, right? Is bread um, is really just a symbol for bringing the thing that you desire into reality, right? So if we do think about the wheel of the year agriculturally, which I know is not always the most accessible way to think about it, but bear with me for a moment. If we do think about it agriculturally, you know, we are planting seeds at the spring equinox and in the spring. We are seeing things beginning to grow at Beltane, really blossoming and flourishing at the summer solstice. And then at Lamas, we're just starting to harvest things and be able to turn them into something more, right? So let's say you have a garden, right? And maybe you planted the seeds for your garden in the spring and you saw them start to bud and flower at Beltane. And then by the summer solstice, like your tomato plants, let's say they are, your tomato plants are huge and they're covered in flowers, but they still really just have little green tomatoes on them, right? They're not ready to be picked yet. Well, by Lamas, now, now your tomato plant is covered in these beautiful, ripe, juicy tomatoes. And now they're ready to be picked. But, you know, we don't typically just like eat a tomato straight off the plant. You certainly can, and they can be very delicious that way. But it's not normally what we do, right? We cook with them. So you, now is the time where you're ready to harvest them off the plant 
and to turn them into spaghetti sauce or pizza or whatever you're making, right? And wheat and grain is kind of the, the traditional way to think about lamas like this. And it's the same thing, right? Planting the seeds in the spring, watching them grow, flourishing at the summer solstice, and then they turn brown, they turn golden, and they're ready to harvest and bake into bread at Lamas. Um, most of us, of course, don't grow our own wheat or grain. We might grow tomatoes or squash or something else. Um, so I think actually veggies can be an easier way to think about this at times. Since it's something that can be a little bit closer experience, a little bit more uh, real world for many of us, right? And so Lamas is that moment where it's not only blossoming and growing and flourishing, but your plant or your manifestation or whatever it is we're talking about, now it's ready to not only be harvested, but to be turned into your true desire right? When you planted that seed for the tomato plant, yes, the whole process is lovely, but at the end of the day, you're really thinking about that yummy pizza you're going to make come August, right? Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Um, and now also for this reason, although we talk about Lamas as bread day or, you know, we, we, bake, we bake bread or cornbread or something like that, and it's even, you know, technically called loaf mass, um, despite that, grain and wheat and bread are actually not the only symbols of Lamas. Anything that you are harvesting this time of year um, or anything that's just in season, right? Even if you don't have a garden of your own, this can still be applicable. When you go to the grocery store and you see that big mountain of fresh corn, right? Like that, that's Lamas too. When you see at the farmer's market, there's all of these fresh veggies all of a sudden and fresh berries, right? Or, or you go for a hike and you see berry bushes and they're just loaded with blackberries, right? Like you can experience this even if you don't have a garden of your own. Um, of course, you can also, now there are so many, at least where I am, I don't know if this is a thing in other places, but where I am in California, we have tons of like pick your own farms now. So there's like flower farms and veggie farms and things where you can go and you just like pick what you want right off the vine or right off the, the bush um, and you pay for what you pick. Uh, so those are really cool too. So that's another way to kind of have that experience of actually harvesting, um, even if you don't have a garden space of your own. Um, but I definitely do encourage you to also think about this very spiritually and through this manifestation lens. Now, when we talk about manifesting, right, manifesting is such a buzzword. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think anytime some of these spiritual concepts become really popular, it can only be good for everyone that comes into contact with them. Um, you know, even if I, I just I'm not here for saying that people aren't doing it right or they're not serious enough. Like if someone is coming into contact with something that feels expansive and healing for them, then it doesn't really matter how they do it, right? It just matters that they're they're not doing harm to themselves or others. Um, but as long as they are, are focused on abundance and gratitude, then they're good, right? But regardless, again, it's a little side tangent there. Um, regardless, the important thing here is that very often we talk about manifesting in the lens of money, right? That we want to manifest money or at least we want to manifest like a job or a house or maybe a relationship, right? Um, and those are all super, super valid. 
And I think that all spiritual people should have more resources, should have more money, should have jobs that feel fulfilling to them, should live in places that feel safe to them, um, should be in relationships that that feel safe and supportive to them um, and loving to them. Um, those are all really, really important things. However, I, I just also want to address that manifesting is not only about manifesting your tangible existence, right? We can also manifest healing. We can also manifest uh, kind of moving through our own grief or shadows, right? If you're feeling really stuck in a, in a feeling, in an emotion, in a space of pain, you're feeling stuck there, um, you know, it's okay to feel those things. We're, we're meant to feel those things, but we're also meant to move through them. Um, and this is something that I've definitely been reflecting on a lot recently is what does it mean to, to move through something versus to get over something? And I don't think we're ever meant to get over things. Um, we are meant to move through them. And what does that look like? How does that, how does that change who we are? How does that shift what, what we're doing and how we're showing up? And Lamas is a really, really beautiful time to have some of those reflections, right? To think about how have I shifted? How have I grown since the beginning of the year, since the spring equinox? Um, you know, how, how has my healing progressed or not? How am I showing up? And is there any spaces in which I do need to make some pivots? Because the thing is that although Lamas is the first harvest festival, it's also like things are still growing, right? The other two harvest festivals that are still to come, first the autumn equinox and then especially Samhain at the end of October, like that's when maybe we're actually like pulling up the plants from our garden and composting them, right? Like we're actually really releasing fully and starting over. That's a different vibe. Lamas, things are still growing. It's like it's really this kind of shift between summer and fall, right? Where it's like things are still growing. Yes, we're harvesting, but those two experiences can overlap, right? They can both exist and we can hold them at the same time. Um, and so this is a really great time. If you need to make adjustments, if you need to make a pivot, this is a great time to do it because you still have time, right? You still have six weeks until the autumn equinox. Maybe you've at least got a couple weeks before school starts, if that's applicable to you. Um, you know, you've still got a good, what, three months um, until the holidays really start, like there's still time. Um, and so Lamas is this great opportunity for us to take that little moment to reflect and say, okay, what needs to shift? What do I need to do differently? Now to speak to the astrology of Lamas, Lamas always occurs during Leo season. So this is when the sun is in Leo, right? So the sun is in Leo from late July to late August every year. Um, and, and Lamas always occurs here, right? Lamas happens, I just realized I didn't say this earlier in the episode. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes, of course. Um, Lamas happens in the Northern Hemisphere on August 1st. In the Southern Hemisphere, it happens on February 1st, um, which I'll speak to in a moment. But in the Northern Hemisphere, Lamas always takes place during Leo season. And Leo is one of the four fixed signs in the Zodiac. So the fire festivals, the four fire festivals in the wheel of the year, which are Beltane, Lamas, Samhain, and Imbolc, the fire festivals all take place during fixed signs. 
And the way you think of this is that the solstices and equinoxes occur during the cardinal signs, which are the beginning of each season. They're the initiators of the season and initiators of the zodiac. And then the next sign is always a fixed sign. And the fire festival takes place during that fixed sign. Now it's right there in the name, right? Fixed signs are very grounded. They're very stable. They're very rooted. Um, they can be very stubborn when we're talking about personality, right? And so the fire festivals take place during these signs that sustain us through the height, through the peak of that season. And so Lamas occurs during Leo season. And Leo is a fire sign. It's the sign of creativity and independence and joy and abundance. Um, it's all about inner child work. It's about play and fun and celebration um, and self-expression. And Leo season is really this invitation to step into our even more authentic self, right? To embrace authenticity even a little bit more than we already might be. Um, and so Lamas always occurs during this time when we're really in this like joyful, playful, abundant space, um, which makes sense, right? Because it's summertime. Like those are the vibes of summertime. Um, now, Lamas also always happens within a couple of weeks, like within two to three weeks of the full moon in Aquarius. So Leo and Aquarius are opposite signs in the zodiac. And every sign in the zodiac has a natural opposite, and they really form these axes, these spectrums of energy. And so where Leo is all about creativity and self-expression, Aquarius is all about the collective, right? It's all about community. It's all about how we each serve the greater good and contribute. Um, and also how the individual fits into that collective, right? Um, and so Leo and Aquarius are this spectrum of individuality versus community. And this is kind of the overarching theme of Lamas and its opposite Sabbat in the year in bulk. So in the Southern Hemisphere, Lamas occurs during Aquarius season and near the full moon in Leo. And it occurs on February 1st. In the Northern Hemisphere, February 1st and Aquarius season are the festival of Imbolc. And so Imbolc and Lamas are these, you know, kind of reflections of one another. They're two sides of the same coin, just as Leo and Aquarius are. And I think that this Leo-Aquarius spectrum brings us to another important theme of Lamas, and that is community. If you've ever had a garden, then you know that very often you have way more than you actually need, right? <laughs> Typically, we have a major abundance in our gardens, which is wonderful. Um, but especially if you've ever grown like tomatoes or squash of any kind or berries, all things I have in my yard, um, there's it grows a lot more than you could ever possibly eat yourself, certainly, or usually even your household. And so something that we very often end up doing this time of year is sharing what we have right? We're not just harvesting and like 
hoarding away, even if you are like canning and, you know, preserving and, you know, setting things aside for winter, like we're not hoarding what we've got because we don't have to, right? This is one of those beautiful themes of Lamas of abundance. And we get to really see it play out in this very Aquarian way, this very full moon in Aquarius way at Lamas, where we're harvesting all of this, you know, beautiful food that we've grown ourselves, we've grown with our own hands, and we are sharing it with the people around us, right? Whether you are like dropping baskets of squash on your friend's porch, or saying, you know, oh my God, I have so much lavender, come over and harvest some, right? Like these are conversations that happen every single year in my community. And even if you don't have a garden yourself, right, even just going to the farmer's market and receiving the abundance from the farmers who are there, right, that's, you're still on the receiving end of that community abundance. Um, And so we can also bring this theme in spiritually and metaphorically, right, that we want to really focus not just on what do I want to manifest and what do I want to receive and how does it help me, right? It is important. Like it's totally okay to be a little selfish sometimes. And Leo season tells us that, right? Leo season tells us you get to have everything you want. You get to be your most authentic creative self and be rewarded abundantly for it. And remember, it's always both and, and how can I share my abundance? How can I uplift the people around me? How can I give some of what I have to them? How can I create this equal energetic exchange that uplifts everybody, right? And so these are just a few of the really, really beautiful uh, metaphors and themes that we can reflect on at Lamas, that Lamas invites us to explore. Um, and so these are things that you might want to journal on or pull cards on, right? You might do a ritual around, but I also encourage you to kind of be in a space of action, right? Summer and Leo season and all of the fire signs, they're all about action. These are seasons and times of year where we're meant to be in motion. Now, For some of you, you may go, oh God, that's the last thing I want to hear. And I understand because Leo season and the peak of summer are actually difficult times for me. I have a very hard time with the heat. I have really bad seasonal allergies. Um, It activates like a really shadowy part of my own chart um, in astrology. And so I don't usually want to be super in action this time of year, but it doesn't mean you have to go out and go for a run in the sunshine, right? <laughs> it does, that's not necessarily the type of action I mean, right? Action can be actively working on your healing, actively working on your shadow work, actively listening. It can even be actively asking for support and receiving it, right? But we don't just want to be stuck in a rut right now right? We want to make sure that we are creating and receiving and contributing and we're expressing ourselves, right? Like this is, this is the energy of that, that fire sign. Okay. Now, lastly, before we wrap up here, I want to share a little bit about practically how you might celebrate Lamas, right? So we've talked a little bit about this, but we've mostly been talking very energetically in this episode so far. So practically, 
Of course, the most classic ways to celebrate Lamas are to, number one, have a bonfire. Um, the four fire festivals and several of the solstices and equinoxes too, but especially the fire festivals are traditionally celebrated with a bonfire of some kind. So if you can have a safe bonfire, if you um, you know, have a beach that has bonfire pits or um, if you have a little fire pit in your backyard or you know, if you have a way to do that safely, go for it. If you don't have a safe space where you can do it and make sure that you're not setting any Anything that shouldn't be on fire on fire, um, then you know even just lighting a couple of candles, um, even just like watching the sunset, right? Just having some experience of fire and light and warmth and flame um, is always a good way to celebrate any of the fire festivals, including Lamas. Um, and of course, the other traditional way to celebrate is to bake bread, um, as we've talked about. So this might be, you know, doing your whole like quarantine sourdough experience. Um, it might be baking like banana bread or zucchini bread, you know, maybe making something with things you've actually harvested. Um, I usually make cornbread is my like go-to Lamas thing. And in fact, even in the period, there was about two years, many years ago now, um, where I had fallen off the bandwagon and I was not actively practicing. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, but even in that period, those couple of years, I still always made cornbread on Lamas. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know exactly why. I just, I always felt really attracted to this festival. Um, and in fact, actually, Lamas does hold a special place in my heart because it was actually the first Sabbat that I actually ever did celebrate um, many, many years ago now. So I've always made cornbread. Um, but you do not, first of all, you do not have to make and eat bread on Lamas. You could buy bread. Um, you could make bread and give it to someone else if you don't want to eat it yourself. Um, but you don't have to bread doesn't have to be part of your celebration. <laughs> and it's also totally fine to go like gluten-free or wheat-free or grain-free or whatever you need it to be in order for that to be part of your celebration if you want it to be. Um, so remember, you can always adjust traditions, rituals, practices that everybody talks about. And, you know, it seems like those that's what you're supposed to do. There are no supposed tos in witchcraft. Um, now some of the other things I would suggest are definitely just to like have a feast. Like this is always one of my favorite things is I make cornbread. I make this amazing butter, which is like my boyfriend's one of his favorite things I make. <laughs> and like every year he's like, Oh, it's that time you're making the butter. Um, basically it's just like you just whip some butter, um, with like fresh herbs, chop up fresh herbs, and then you put like a little bit of honey in it and whip it together. And it is insanely good, especially on cornbread. Um, so I usually make the, the whipped honey butter, um, and then make some cornbread and then we'll just, you know, barbecue. We'll make grilled chicken or we'll make a big salad or something. Um, sometimes we'll go to the beach, just, you know, having like a really fun summer day um, is a really powerful way to celebrate Lamas because harvest festivals are inherently about celebration, right? They're about gratitude. They're about celebrating everything we have. They're about celebrating the people around us. Uh, they're about celebrating our own action and, you know, will to move. Um, and so just having like a really fun summer day and then a, a nice summer feast at sunset, like is the absolute perfect Lamas ritual. So don't overthink it, especially with this one, right? That goes for all of our 
festivals in the wheel of the year. Don't overthink it. Just have fun with it. Lean into embodying the energy of that season. Um, but also, you know, just go, really go with what feels right. Like it doesn't matter if your celebration looks like anyone else's. It doesn't matter if it looks how someone's online or on Instagram's looks or, you know, how the, the almanacs tell you they should. It doesn't matter. It just matters that it felt fun and meaningful and supportive for you. Um, and then, of course, like I said earlier on, I definitely do also recommend that you do some manifesting reflection at Lamas. Think about intentions or resolutions that you made at the beginning of the year or around the spring equinox, you know, like six to nine months ago. Uh, think about those, reflect on those, think about, you know, have they come to pass? Have they not? Uh, think about, you know, if they haven't, why not? Um, you know, why? Is it because you don't actually want that thing? Is it because something has changed since you set that intention? Is it because you just need to go all in, like I was talking about earlier? Um, so just really doing some of that reflection, reflectioning, some of that reflecting, and then making a plan, right? Okay, in the next six, nine, 12, 15 weeks, what am I going to do to either release the thing that I decided I no longer want? Or what am I going to do to actually make sure that it happens? And perhaps most importantly, if you discover that your intentions and manifestations have come have come true, have come to pass, then you have to celebrate them. That's the only have to. You need to lean into gratitude for everything that you did to make that happen and to make space for that in your life, right? So gratitude is a really important aspect um, of the manifesting process and of the harvest festivals. So I hope you have an absolutely beautiful Lamas. I would love to hear how you're celebrating. Um, come and join my free Facebook group, Empowered Modern Witches. I would love to hear what you thought about this episode, how you plan to celebrate Lamas. Um, and if you have any questions about it, I would love to hear and be able to support you with that as well. Um, I'm also going to link up in the show notes for this episode uh, some free resources to help you celebrate Lamas. Um, I think we've got a spell and some recipes and things like that for you to try out. Um, so some fun things to play around with there. Um, and we will also be celebrating Lamas in the Starlight Coven as we do every year. Um, Starlight Coven members get access to a live virtual ritual with me at, for every single festival in the Wheel of the Year. Um, they're really special, really fun. We do meditations together, journaling. Uh, we pull oracle cards. They're really great spaces. Um, so come and check out the Starlight Coven. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. Happy Lamas. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your summer, um, and I will see you in our next episode. As always, thanks for listening to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. I'm Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Lupin Hollow, and it's my pleasure to be your host. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Much love from Lupin Hollow.